Chapter 19 of The Place Beyond the Winds This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Place Beyond the Winds by Harriet Teresa Comstock Chapter 19 There are times in life, especially when one is young, that high peaks are the only landmarks in sight. Priscilla Glenn felt that henceforth her road was to be a highway constructed in such a fashion that airy bridges would connect the lofty altitudes, and all below would exist merely as views. Her first thought, on the day following her interview with Margaret Moffat, was to get to John Boswell, and, as she laughingly put it, pay off her debts. Two hundred dollars and a full month's money from St. Albans. Gordon Moffat certainly could not feel richer than she. And then, the months ahead. Well, one could get dizzy on one's own heights. So Priscilla calmed herself by a day of strenuous shopping and looked forward to the evening with Boswell. A dim drizzle set in late in the afternoon, and there was a chill in the air that penetrated sharply. The mist transformed everything, and, too tired, overexcited nerves, the real had a touch of the unreal. The park glistened, the tender new green on tree, bush, and grass looked as if it had just been polished, and the early flowers stood crisply on their young stalks. At the point where once she had met poor Jerry Jo McAlpin, Priscilla paused and was taken into control by memory and the long-ago past. Quite unaccountably, she longed to have her mother, even her father, know of her well-being. Surely they would forgive everything if they knew just how things had turned out for her she almost wished she had decided to go back to the in place before she started on her trip abroad she could have made them understand about her and poor jerry joe was old jerry waiting and waiting something clutched priscilla sharply the loneliness and silence of the place beyond the winds enfolded her like a compelling dream how they could patiently wait those home folks of hers and how dear they suddenly became, now that she was going into the new life that promised her her heart's desire. Then she decided, since she could not go to them, she must write to Master Farwell. He had never answered her last letter, and beg him to tell them all about it. He would go, she felt sure, and, by some subtle magic, she seemed to see him passing along the Red Rock Road, his long cape coat flapping in the soft wind, his hair blowing across his face, the dogs following sociably. He'd go first to old Jerry's, and then afterward, an hour, maybe, for it would be hard for Jerry McAlpin. He would go to Lonely Farm by way of the wood path that led by the shrine in the open place. Was the skull still there with the long dead grasses in its ears? It would be night, perhaps, when the master reached the farm. Maybe the star would be shining over the hemlock. At this point Priscilla paused and caught her breath sharply. She had come out of the park by the gateway opposite Boswell's apartment, and just ahead of her, across the street, was a thin, stooping figure with caped coat flapping in the rising wind and hair blowing across a bent face. "'I—I I am dreaming,' the words came brokenly. "'I am bewitched!' But with characteristic quickness of thought and action she put her doubt to the test. Running across the space between her and that slow-stepping figure, she panted huskily. "'Master Farwell! Master Farwell!' 
He turned and fixed his deep, haunting eyes upon her. "'It's Priscilla Glenn,' he whispered, as if to reassure himself. "'Little Priscilla of the in-place.' By some trick of overstimulated imagination, Priscilla tried to adjust the gentle, kindly man she knew and loved to the strange creature into which he had evolved since last she met him, but she could not. To her he would always be the friend and helper, the understanding guide of her stormy girlhood. The rest was but shadows that came and went, cast by happenings with which she had nothing to do. They were holding each other's hands under the window from which Boswell was, perhaps, at that very moment watching and waiting. "'Oh, my master Farwell!' the tears rolled from the glad eyes. I did not know how far and how sadly I had gone until this minute. But you have not forgotten to be little Priscilla Glenn. My dear, my dear, how glad and thankful I am to see you. You have grown, yes. You have grown into the woman I knew you would. Your eyes are faithful. Your lips still smile. Oh, Priscilla, the world has not... He paused, and his old quivering laugh rang out cautiously. The world has not dodged you and then priscilla caught him by the arm you have not seen him she looked upward no i was getting up my courage the bird just freed from its cage is timid come a minute will not matter i must know about my home people they walked on together then because her heart was beating fast and the tears lying near she drew close to her deepest interest by a circuitous way. Tell me of... of Mrs. McAdam and Jerry McAlpin? Mrs. McAdam is famous and rich. The Whitefish Lodge has a waiting list every summer. The... the body of Sandy drifted into the channel a month after you left. Bounder found it. You remember how he used to know the sound of Sandy's engine? The day the body was washed up, he... seemed to know... One grave is filled, and Mary McAdam has put a monument between the two graves with the names of both boys. Jerry McAlpin has grown old and, and respectable. He has a fancy that Jerry Joe will come back a fine gentleman. All these years he has been preparing for the prodigal. The young devil has never sent a line to his father. A bad lot was Jerry Joe. And then Priscilla told her story with many a catch in her voice. You see... He did it for me, Master Farwell. He was not all bad. Who is, I wonder? He lies in a quiet spot Mr. Boswell and I found far out in the country. There's a hemlock nearby and a glimpse of water. I... I think I will not let old Jerry know. While he waits, he is happy. While he is getting ready, life will mean something to him. And, oh, Master Farwell, when... when Jerry Joe went... He thought he was going through the secret portage to the big bay. I believe he will welcome his father in the open some day. I will not send word back to the in-place. Farwell frowned. Boswell has touched you with his fanciful methods, he muttered. Is it for the best? I am sure it is. And my, my people, Master Farwell? My mother? At this, Farwell started and stepped back. The light from an electric lamp fell full on the girl's quivering, brilliant face. He had told Boswell of the mother's death. You... you did not know? he asked. She died. Died? Master Farwell, my mother, dead? 
You see how it hurts when Boswell plays with you? A note of bitterness crept into the voice. When the day of reckoning comes, it hurts. It hurts like hell. He had forgotten the girl, the white, frantic face. Tell me, tell me when she, my poor mother, died? The words brought him back sharply, and with wonderful tenderness he told her. Long Jean was with her. She would have her and no other, because she said Jean had helped you into the world, and only she should help her out. It is a beautiful story they tell in Kenmore of your mother's passing. She thought she was going to you. She seemed quite happy once she found the way. I have found her, she cried, just at the last, and she understands. And I did, I did, sobbed Priscilla. A passerby noticed the sound and paused to look at the two sharply. Come, come, Farwell implored her. We will arouse suspicion. Let us get back to, to Boswell. I haven't much time, you see. I have promised Pine to be back in ten days. Ten days? You promised Pine? And you never knew? Farwell gave an ugly laugh. Well, I carried the ball and chain without a whimper. I can say that for myself. Pine is my ball and chain. Because he is an all-devil, because he knows I am not, he went off to play on Wyland Island. You know they killed the devil there the second week in June. Have you forgotten? Well, Pine has gone to take a stab at Satan, and I'm free. For ten days. Free. And then? And then I'm going back voluntarily, and assume the ball and chain. Master Farwell, do not pity me. It doesn't matter now. I only wanted to settle with Boswell. I've been in town three days. They were nearing the big apartment house. Lights from the windows were showing cheerily through the misty fog. A chill fear shook Priscilla as she began to comprehend the meaning of Farwell's words. In her life, Boswell, and this man beside her, stood for friendship in its truest, highest sense, and she felt that she must hold them together in spite of everything. She stood still and gripped Farwell's arm. "'You... you shall not go to him,' she whispered, "'until you tell me how you are to pay him for what he has done.' Farwell's white, grim face confronted her. "'How does one pay another for lying to him, cheating him?' And, and playing with him as though he were an idiot or a child. Why did he do it, Master Farwell? Why did he do it? Because, but for very shame, Farwell hesitated. It makes no difference, he muttered. I'm no fool, and Boswell shall find it out. He has told me the story. Priscilla still stayed the straining figure. All his life he has given and given to you all that was in his power to give. He is the noblest man I ever knew, the gentlest and kindest, and I never knew a man could love another as he has loved you. What have you given to him, really? The smiles and jokes of the days long ago that were heavenly to him? What did they cost you? He gave and gave his heart's best. He lied and cheated you, that you might have some sort of peace in, in Kenmore. Oh, if you only knew how he has hated it all how he has struggled to keep up the play, even when he was so weary that the soul of him almost gave out. And now you come to... to pay him with hate and revenge, 
when you have the only thing he wants in all the world at your command to give him the impassioned words fell into silence the uplifted face with its shining eyes mist wet and indignant aroused farwell at last and that is he asked yourself your faith see that is his light he is waiting for me because since you sent me to him he has been kind heavenly kind to me for your sake everything is has always been for your sake go to him master farwell go alone i will come by and by not now pay him for all he has done for you all these lonely years farwell no longer struggled he took priscilla's hands in a long close clasp what a woman you have become priscilla glenn thank you without a word more they parted farwell to go to the reckoning priscilla to walk in the mist for a bit longer all that occurred in boswell's library priscilla was never to know there had been a moment of shock when boswell raising his eyes to greet priscilla saw farwell maxwell standing in the doorway you have come boswell gasped with every sacred thing at stake i have come for what max to to thank you if i can to to tell you my story in the outer room toki artistically held the dinner back the honorable master and his strange but equally honorable friend must not be disturbed something was happening but after a time boswell laughed as toki had never heard him laugh so it was well and the dinner could bide its time then priscilla came wet and white-faced but with a shine look in her eyes that toki despite his prejudices and profession had noted and respected we will have the dinner now niece as if toki ever considered her to that extent i will see mr boswell he has honorable friend my friend toki the honorable friend is mine also and oh the flowers toki there are no roses like the june roses how wonderfully you have arranged them a rose should never be crowded toki grinned helplessly three hours i take to make look beautifully one hour for each rosy that why it look beautifully yes that is why it looks beautifully three hours and you toki boswell and farwell were sitting in front of the grate upon which the wood lay ready to light their faces were pale and haggard but their eyes turned to priscilla without shame or doubt there is much to talk about said boswell with his ready friendliness max your farwell and mine has told me after dinner dear friends i am hungry bitterly hungry and cold cold yes see i am going to set the wood to burning by the time we come back the room will be ready for us to be sure boswell sidled from his deep chair the pinched look on his face relaxing a fire to be sure now max no one but a woman would have thought of a fire in june no one but priscilla farwell added they talked before the fire until late that evening priscilla's plans were discussed and considered so full was she of excitement and joy that she did not notice the shock of surprise that farwell showed when the names of ledyard and travers passed her lips 
seeing that she either did not connect the men with her past or had reasons for not referring to it farwell held his peace it was long afterward that he confided his knowledge to boswell and that wise friend bade him keep his secret it's her life and she's treading her road he said she has an odd fancy that her heart's desire lies just ahead i cannot see that either you or i have the right to awaken her to the realities while she lives so magically in her dreams after priscilla's own plans were gone over and over again boswell said quietly i'm going back to that blessed in-place of yours butterfly you remember how i told you the first day i met you that i could not understand anyone choosing the dangerous garden when he might have the place beyond the winds priscilla leaned forward her breath coming sharply you mean you are going to to live in kenmore yes live that is a bright way of putting it live live the beetle is going to live priscilla looked about at the rich comfort of the room thought of what it meant to the delicate cripple crouching toward the blaze his deep eyes flame-touched and wonderful then she looked at master farwell whose lips were trembling he he calls that living he said slowly tell him priscilla of the bareness and hardness of the life i have tried to but he will not listen the tears the ready easy tears filled priscilla's eyes and her heart throbbed until it hurt he will love the hemlocks and the deep red rocks she said as if speaking to herself he will love the channel and the little islands he will love the woods and the wind does not blow hard there he will be glad of that but the ugly wretched bareness of my hut priscilla for heaven's sake make him see that but the fireplace master farwell and the friend beside it boswell broke in and no more loneliness a beetle that has crawled in the garden so long will thank god for a real place of its own tis but a change of scene for the property man i love the garden murmured priscilla sitting between the two men her clasped hands outstretched toward the fire which was smouldering ruddily that is because you have wings butterfly boswell whispered and no fetter on your soul farwell said so softly that only boswell heard i see priscilla childishly wandered on such a lovely trail leading leading where where indeed boswell was watching her curiously that is the beauty of it i cannot see beyond the next step all my life i have tried to keep my yearnings within bounds now i just follow it's very very wonderful some day i am going back to the in-place i shall find you both sitting by master farwell's beautiful fire i am sure it will be the still morning time i think and you will be so glad to see me and i shall tell you all about it heaven keep you boswell's voice was solemn and deep life will keep her safe farwell said with a laugh life will take no liberties with her she got her bearings jack before the winds knocked her let us both walk home with her what sort of a night is it priscilla went to the window it's rather black she returned as black as the big city ever is the mist is clearing it's a beautiful night end of chapter nineteen recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona